Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brendan Porter. With families and day jobs, we know it's hard to find time to get out there with your camera. So Brendan and I joined together and made the commitment to go out consistently and build up our landscape and astrophotography portfolios. We live in Utah and are lucky to have so many beautiful landscapes all around us. Not only do we have five national parks right here in Utah, but we are only a day or less drive away from 30 other national parks. So we created PhotogAdventures.com, this podcast, and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you get out there too and have a photog adventure of your own it's episode 40 welcome back to the podcast everybody episode 40 40 so welcome back guys we had a fantastic week last week we'll tell more about that here in a second but i just wanted to thank everybody who's joined us on patreon it is the 30th of june and tomorrow is the day that we start getting payments again for the first of the month and we just have to take a little time and say Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys are really, really awesome for jumping in. We now have 25 patrons. 25 patrons have jumped on board and given us that monetary high five. If you're out there, you're on the fence, just throw $2 our way. will help us a ton. And if anything, you'll help prime the pump for others who are on the fence, and they'll think, yeah, that'd be awesome. I want to support Photog Adventures. Mm-hmm. We want to get it going. We have two guys right now, unnamed, that we'd really love to add to the team of Photog Adventures, and that is so far away way in the future at this pace and so any help that we can get right now would be fantastic uh, we hit a milestone today of 1600 today on yeah. our youtube channel so that's that pretty awesome that's uh, moving forward in a good good way we've actually had three record months in a row we had just about got to 300 back in april it was 297 or 298 in one month and that was mm. amazing that was triple what we had done right. ever before right. we were at 600 subscribers then and then we had the two, <laughs> 300 month almost. And then in May, we had another month that was over 300. And we broke 1,000. And that was awesome. And we broke 1,000 and got up to about 1,300. And now here we are with another 300 plus month, almost 400 actually, because we're probably going to end up with, once the stats from the 30th pop in there, I bet it's about 365, oh, yeah, yeah. 360 something that we had in one month. And so it's just it's moving exciting. up. Yeah. We're so stoked about that. Thanks to all of you who have jumped in. Thanks to all of you who have watched our videos like Kirk. We have Kirk on the podcast today. I might as well introduce you now, Kirk. Hey, Kirk. Hi, how's it going? Kirk Kais is joining us from all the way in Portland, Oregon. And Kirk's one of the guys who jumped onto our YouTube videos and commented right from the very beginning. And we really appreciate that. The more people who watch the videos and see other commenters, they get that feeling of, yeah, this is a lie. We can be engaged in this this content. And so it helps us a ton. So if you're out there watching our videos, videos and you're not subscribed, at least toss in a note there and say, hey, good job, like this video. Or if you hated something in the video, please tell us. We get one or two thumbs down every video, but we have no clue why. Yeah. We don't It'd know. It'd be awesome if you guys are the ones out there giving us thumbs down. Just <laughs> yeah. say why in the comments. Just say, hey, I thumbs down this because why? the audio track was lousy or, you know, or your mics don't work well or, you know, something. If it's, we don't care if it's technical or artistic. Just tell us why you give us a thumbs down. Yeah, that would why? actually help us. Help. Even Feedback. if you're mean about it, it can still help us. <laughs> Absolutely. So. Quick announcement, guys. I want to tell you about the new format for our podcast. We're not changing much, but we have in the past, and since we've done the survey, we got feedback saying we go off course here. We're not quite as tidy as where things show up. Or mm. even the listener adventure would be better at the end and not confused in the beginning where we have the intro of where we went. And then we say a listener adventure somewhere completely different. Uh, and then we mm-hmm. awkwardly jump back into where we went. And so they're right. We need to fix yeah. that. Here's a new segment, and it'll need your guys' help. 
I am finishing the website. The website is not up yet. I want to put it up a little bit better looking than what it looks like right now. All the content that we had in the old website is still there except for all of the images. I have to re-upload them. Oh. On top of that, I have to make it look nice. And so for a segment on there, we're going to have a little box or a floating circle or window or something where you can submit a listener question. And it might be something where we get one every week or we get 20. I don't know. If you guys are up for it, ask any question you want. So that listener question will go along with the listener adventure. So we make that into a segment of listener stuff. Mm -hmm. Focused on listeners, me telling a quicker version of their listener adventure without all all the details, pretending to be there, but just relaying, here's a cool place that this guy went to. Bam. And this is where she went to into the Aurora. Bam. Okay. Right, right. So that's how we're going to treat that very end. And then we will start gear time and tip of the week and end the podcast. Sounds good. If we have a guest, all that that's out the window. The guest dictates how things go, how long things go. We'll get them telling as many cool stories as we possibly mm. can in the mm-hmm. guest interview. And when we have guests on the podcast that are coming along with us and, and hosting a regular show, like we've had Jordan Younce, and we'll have him again. Right. We can do still this format with Jordan Younce, but we probably will go long in some of those, and that's okay. Yeah. And we'll plug out the show regularly like this, and so we'll see if everyone likes that. So thank you guys. Thanks, everybody. And we are about to begin an adventure in a world that Brendan and I have not been, I don't think, ever for you. No, I've never been to Oregon Never before. for Brendan, but I've been there once as a kid or out four times as a kid to visit an aunt, and I didn't know what I was looking at or what I was dealing with. Oh, yeah. So this was really a true first time for me. So where did we go? So we drove to Bandon, Oregon first, and then after a day there, we went to Crater Lake National Park. To give you a little bit of background about Bandon, that's the first place we went to. Bandon. Bandon. It's Bandon, not Brandon. It's Bandon. It's not there's Brandon? No, there's no R. Yeah, and it's not Brandon or Brandon. It's just Ban- Bandon. And so apparently it was named by George Bennett. Ooh, um, George Bennett. An I Irish, love George An Bennett. Irish peer who settled nearby <laughs> in 1873, and he named the town after Bandon in Ireland, there's his hometown. Irish city called Bandon or there's, town. Yep, so there's apparently a Bandon, Ireland, right and he on. named it the same as his hometown. The population of Bandon, Oregon, in 2010 census was 3,066. In 2010 was only 3,066 yeah. people? It's probably doubled now. I mean, who it knows? It seems more than that. Yeah, there's probably more tourists than people, probably. Man, that's amazing because their houses, there are plenty of houses. I mean, the stores mm-hmm. and the conveniences are built for a 3,000 populated city, but it just didn't seem like it was that tiny. Well, no, Bandon itself is tiny. When we went outside of Bandon to um, Coat, what was So it? that was technically a different city yes. with different population numbers. Yes. Okay. Bandon itself was pretty small, uh-huh. pretty small town. I remember we were driving through around yeah. the beach and then once we got out of town you could tell because it was just like I think once we don't, went over the bridge it was like Bandon was behind us so mm, right pretty small yeah pretty small place we didn't go really, really anywhere except for our bed and breakfast and the beach so and why'd we go out to there well, the beach was amazing. We wanted to find the wizard's hat. Yeah, the wizard's hat. The sorting so, hat from Harry Potter is out there on the beach. The sorting hat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was wondering how you guys uh, picked uh, Bandon in the first place. It, it was, you know, four hours away from Crater Lake, and it seemed like uh, just kind of out of the blue random choice. I mean, it's it's a cool <laughs> place, but uh, what was I was I just thinking? curious. Yeah, I yeah. think that's something that Aaron was looking at. It was at. me. Yeah. 
It was most likely thanks to the fact that when I looked at the map and I saw, okay, we're kind of close to the coast. Now, I'm picturing Utah driving, where it's like, here we right. are from the coast. We'll just drive a couple hours that way on the straight road. No, 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 no. It's right. like, you're thinking uh, <laughs> you're thinking 80 miles an hour on the freeway, right? Well, that and, and just straight, straight there, right? pathways. Yeah. I thought we would have a lot of straight, but no, we have constant curving. It takes what would be like an hour driving here and turns it into three hours there. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. And so I saw how close the coast was and I thought what's close over there what can we kind of hit that's sort of straight across and Bandon was in that range and Nick Page had just had a video called oh, Bandon on location that's what it was. on his channel and so I had seen that picture I'd seen the cool rock features I knew there'd be something there to photograph and it looked close because I'm an idiot and don't pay attention to the miles traveled only the distance on the like inch mm-hmm. hey look uh-huh. <laughs> as a crow flies that's really close so this is something that Nick Page had put on his YouTube channel yep just recently and we are talking about nick page right not nick cave the <laughs> yeah, nick page not nick cave quick story on that we put our pot we driving home oh, we want to tell any of this oh. well tell it now and you just edit it in later right well we'll come back to it we'll come yeah. back to we'll come back and tell you the story about nick cave and how he spent some time with us on our way home <laughs> <laughs> on our way to crater lake we we first stopped in band and like we passed crater lake and kept going to the coast yeah, that's true. Actually, we drove just underneath it and yeah. kept going the first day. And we ended up at, we, we rented a place through Airbnb. First time ever, really, because we've been always sleeping out of the vehicle or camping. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we knew Kurt was supposed to meet us there the first day. So we figured, okay, let's get an Airbnb. We found a place and, in Bandon and it actually had, um, we thought it had two beds and that one was bigger and one was smaller. So we're like, okay, well, we can always share a bed. Yeah, sleeping bag, no problem. I right. slept closer to Brendan in other situations. In so. the car, definitely. So, <laughs> um, But then when we got there, there was actually three beds. So it was actually perfect. It was oh, yeah. pretty nice. It was really accommodating. Um, How'd you find that Airbnb? Where'd you look for it? I just looked under Bandon, actually, and there was a few, three or four decent options. And so this lady actually had five star, five star reviews from like a dozen people. She was really good. And I was like, holy cow, like this is Donna. the best reviews. Yeah, so Donna, awesome job. We'll put a link to her in our show notes. Yeah, how can we? Do just directly to their Airbnb I think so, yeah. posting? Okay, yeah. cool, I'll do that. Yeah, so we can do that. She's awesome. I left a positive review for her and everything's good. So, um, And and her rate was really reasonable. There's a lot more expensive places in Bandon than right, uh, what right. we paid too. Yeah, she was one of the cheaper options. And uh, for all three of us to stay there, I think it was like 110 bucks. And she was a photographer. And she was also a photographer, yeah. She was a cool. kinship with us. So we could talk to her about, she had p- pictures that she had taken, posted in there and all that kind of stuff. So, But to get there was really crazy. What, what, what first happened is our, when we first entered Oregon, it was like all desert. I did not expect that. Right. So it's that was kind very, of a, very unexpected. A desert with tons of green. But completely barren. Yeah, it almost looked exactly like Nevada and Utah and some parts of Arizona and even some parts of California where it's just very arid and deserty. Yeah. It was very much southwest desert. And so it just ugly, ugly desert. It's the same desert as what's in Nevada. It's the Basin and Range Desert, and it extends Mm. all the way from uh, southern Nevada up into uh, almost Washington into Oregon. Yeah, and I didn't really know that. It, that, Me neither. No idea. I thought we'd enter Oregon and it'd be just like forest from here to right, the end right. of the border, but no. stupid Nevada side of Oregon. But that's because nobody lives there and nobody ever talks about it, so <laughs> you would never, ever know unless you would drove through it. So Right? They don't even make you let someone pump your gas for you out there. No, not in the small towns. I don't care. Nah. So they're just like, yeah. It's the wild country of Oregon. Yeah. 
It's the Wild Who West of Oregon. Who knows what they can do with their guests? The Wild East. <laughs> the Wild the East. Wild East of Oregon. <laughs> that was interesting. And then when we got into closer to um, my Crater Lake area and Bandon, they get more and more denser foresty type um, areas. And once we got in near Bandon, it was this crazy, windy, crazy uh, road. I was already so sick of driving. We're like, what, 13 hours, 12 hours at that point? Yeah. And now we hit crazy And the road windy. was like dipping down and curving and dipping down and curving. There's no side rail. No. And it was like a 15-foot drop-off, like <laughs> inches next to where the road ends. Yeah, you pay too much attention like, to this terrain around you. Your wheel goes off the edge, and there we are. The car's done. Yeah, it was nuts. <laughs> done one way or the other, right? So. Well, you, you should try it in a sports car, not in a uh, Saturn uh, SUV. Oh, I so know. The sports car it's it's a totally different road in a sports car. Do you I think bet. I'm clenching my cheeks for Brendan in an SUV? Wait till we put him in a powerful sports car. I'm sure that I will probably have to just give up on the fact that I might not live through this. Just enjoy it while you can. Because I'm sure enjoy Brendan, ride, would, man. you would yeah. open it up. You would open it up full if you were driving yeah, a sports maybe. car. In a Porsche? Yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd go to town on that. Hmm. So anyways... Um, it was interesting getting to the place <laughs> that our map thought it was supposed to be at. Yeah, where and, uh, Google Chrome or Google Maps let us down. Google Maps did a pretty decent job of getting us in the vicinity. Right. But then once we got there, there was like a three-way broken up fork in the road, dirt roads going three different directions. They were like, now what? Like, <laughs> what in the world? So we just kind of rolled the dice and took one and thought, okay, I think it's this way. Have <laughs> you ever seen the movie Rat Race? You feel like that part where she's like, I should have bought a squirrel. Absolutely. We kept going every down time, Every time we got a swear, we should have bought a squirrel. It's everywhere <laughs> we go. So we take the first road, nope. Second road, nope. And then Kirk's just like, are you guys, where are you guys? We're just like, uh, send us a, <laughs> where are you? And he's like, I think I'm here. I think I found it. And so we're like, Send us a pin where you are Give because we something. think we're close, but we have no idea. <laughs> Way past it. We finally paid attention to the fact that the number was what, 2807 or 20, something with an 807 or 870. And we were all the way up at a completely 2000 number off yeah. from that. And so we had to go and backtrack. We came back and then we realized we passed it the first time. We passed it long ago. Because I saw this little sign in the corner that I, that I read the sign. I'm like, that's not what the sign says on the website. So I just kept driving by past it. And it, yet it, that was, was not it? the sign that she put on the website, but it was a, but it's a sign that she has, she gave it like two different names. So I don't she know. It was named very her, okay. So it was a whispering pine. Whispering pines is the technical name of her bed and breakfast. What was the sign saying? But on, then? The, on the website, it said something completely different. Okay. On Airbnb's website. Gosh, so the sign was saying Whispering Pines, yeah. but it didn't say anything like that on the Airbnb no. site. No. It didn't we, say anything about Whispering Pines anywhere on Airbnb, so I was like totally confused. That's why I drove past it, ignoring it, yet that was the place we were supposed to go. So. And we pull in there. You pull in right by a trailer. There's a trailer well, home. it's a double wide. A double wide. Yeah, trailer okay. home type, yeah. A double wide right off the road, and their doorway opens up, and the staircase comes down right into the driving path. Yeah. <laughs> we almost killed a dog right in front of the owner because the poor guy just kept jumping right out in front of us as we were coming through. And we didn't know. No, like, we had no yeah. clue. And we'd be passing by. So we pulled off on the road, parked right there, and the lady's like, hey, other one. Keep going. We're like, what do you we're mean like, other one? We don't see anything. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's just dense trees behind her yard. And lo and behold, there was a pathway in front of, front of where she was pointing that we couldn't quite see yet that led through the forest even deeper and that's where our Airbnb was. Yeah. But it was like a crazy, like, dippy, rocky yeah. road trying to get into that place. 
And it's like, geez, good thing we had an SUV for this because yeah. you need like a Jeep to, to drive. Uneven there. terrain, going through the forest. There's tiny little circles with arrows pointed on them. And you knew you were going the right place at that point. But yeah. really disconcerting at first. But once we got back there, it became quaint. You're like, oh, yeah, now we're hidden behind these trees. Right. We're out in the middle of nowhere. This is awesome. Little garden, little chicken coop, horse in the corner. Really nice and quaint. So it was cool. And you got there before us, Kirk. What happened with you? How did you find it? Well, I, yeah, I was heading down the the road from the highway, and I uh, there was like one main fork, and of course I went left when I should have gone right, and so I drove about a mile down the road, and you know tried to follow Google uh, Maps, and, and and to give her credit, she did say in the description, "Don't follow Google Maps." Oh, and she, she gave and she did give instructions. So after driving around a mile down the road uh, on the wrong road, I went back to the fork, and uh, she said it was like the sixth driveway on the right. So I just went 30 miles an hour down the road and counting. counted out six driveways, and then it had the right house number. So I turned, and then I pulled up to the uh, the trailer home, just like you were saying, and <laughs> I start getting out, and some lady's coming down the front steps, and I go, is this the B&B? And she goes, no, it's down there. And I said, you probably got a lot of people stopping here, don't you, asking? And she goes, no. And then she paused for a second and said, yeah. <laughs> so, no, She's yeah. trying to be polite. She's like, actually, no, you're right. Exactly, yeah. So I... And as I was pulling in, you know, the dog comes running down the stairs and across the road and still some alive. guys chasing the dog. Yeah, still alive. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it was very uh, country, let's say. Yeah. Pull in front of the house and Donna comes out and she goes, Brendan. And I go, no, but I know Brendan. <laughs> and we uh, were sitting there talking and then your text came through going, where are you? Where is it? Are Do you know where it is? You know, you ask for a pin, and me and Don are, like, looking at my phone going, a pin? What's a pin, and how do oh, we send no. it? So, uh, and, and then you guys pulled up, like, a minute after that. So oh, we, so we were, found it. We didn't have to learn anything technologically, so that was good. Nice. Awesome. Donna was fantastic. I mean, Donna yeah, had yeah. a great place. It was down below. It was really cool. I mean, really cold air. It was mm-hmm. nice to stay cool, and... It just felt good for one of the first times ever we had a shower while out on a photog adventure. And we yeah. don't usually get that privilege. No. <laughs> we usually come home rank. And so this was awesome. I wish I had brought my bio- deodorant this trip. I did. I forgot Your my, deodorant? I forgot my deodorant. <laughs> I have never never again will I forget my deodorant. <laughs> so we're in there talking to Donna. She's showing us pictures. I'm like, there it is. There's the wizard's hat. Or I call it the witch's hat this time. She's like, no, I think it's the wizard's hat. And she tells us where mm-hmm. it is. Kirk, you'd already scouted out the area nearby the wizard's hat. What was that area called? Something about a face. Yeah, when you guys said you wanted to go to Bandon, and I started looking on, uh, you know, Google Maps and checking out the photos that were there, and uh, I saw some of those, uh, you know, the rocks and the spires that you guys came down to take pictures of, and I thought, okay, well, this looks like a reasonable spot. You know, doing the satellite view, you could kind of see the shadow on some of the uh, rocks were, mm. uh, you know, kind of triangular shaped. Yeah. So I knew that those had to be some of the, you know, the wizard hat type rocks. And a certain part of the beach, kind of between uh, Coquille Point, which kind of sticks out the furthest from into the ocean from uh, Bandon, 
and then on down to uh, Face Rock State Scenic Viewpoint. Face Face Rock. Face Rock State Scenic Viewpoint. Mm. And uh, it was just super windy. I'm like, you're on the bluff. You're like 100 feet above the ocean. And the wind was just, you know, blasting sand oh, up man. from the beach onto the uh, the park there. So it was getting about 3.30. So I figured, well, I, you guys must have been getting close. So I figured I'd head out to uh, the Airbnb. And like I said, I just got there just minutes before you guys did so i knew that there's this area that had this hat and all these rocks were out there so i wasn't sure which one kirk had scouted the basic area out so i was hoping that he had it right because when we walked down the stairs went in there constant just constant pinnacle of rock and it it was kind of crazy because i expected to see it from the distance and recognize it right away as we drove in i looked out and saw boom there it is i recognized it exactly the shape Mm -hmm, i expected mm -hmm. but when you're down there standing next to it you're looking right at it from a different perspective and you can't recognize it at all yeah i mean i understand how that works but i didn't recognize it i walked around like no not that one not this one walked over here and pointed oh it's that one and realized it was the same one i pointed at probably three times and said no no yes and it was the same rock the whole time but it was absolutely recognizable if you go out to this area you have to look at it almost from i guess from the north looking south kind of thing yeah you're yeah. kind of on the north end of it looking back at it but not entirely northern of it more of like a, a northeast of it right, looking at right. it and the way the silhouette goes up against the sky is pretty fantastic yeah it's a really cool rock if you don't know it, or you haven't seen nick's abandoned on location video it's very wide at the base and then just goes up and kind of has a little tilt to the top yeah brendan has a great shot in our instagram that rachel my wife said that's a great shot i thought you guys got got some good pictures from Bandon. I said, well, that was off of his iPhone. I don't think any of us came home with an awesome using our DSLR shot of the rocks. Now, did you? Did you have any success getting anything off of that? I haven't really focused on those pictures per, per se because I've been focusing a lot more on the Milky Way stuff, which did turn out pretty good. Awesome. Let's go ahead and talk more about that here soon. Let's take our first break real quick before we go into that. So we're going to take our first break, mm-hmm. come back and talk more about how we got the dinner, the composition, and the sunset, and how it went for us that night. Okay. We want to take a quick minute and talk about Patreon, and we have Kurt Kais with us right now. He was one of our very first patrons, and not only that, he was one that recommended us go for it. So Kirk, I want to ask you, why did you join Patreon, and what was your reasoning behind recommending it to us? I noticed some of the podcasts I listened to started talking about Patreon, how you could help those podcasts out by making donations. You could donate like a dollar a month. Who can't afford a dollar a month? And you know, a lot of people are just struggling to make a podcast, a donation that could cover like a tank of gas you know help you do a little production without having to dig deep in your pockets you guys got families and lives and it takes money to do this stuff i was more than excited like you say uh you know a sandwich a month or a lunch a month cup of coffee a month it's really not that much money when you uh, stop and think about yep. it and we really love you guys we really love you guys for being willing to watch and listen and support so check it out photogadventures.com forward slash patreon we really appreciate it absolutely Welcome back, everybody, to the Photog Adventures podcast. We are talking about being in Bandon, Oregon, and we're down there on the beach. It's starting to set, and we're thinking, oh, no, we need to get some food or we can stay here and find our composition. And it was at that stupid window where you have an hour, about 10 minutes of hanging out on the beach that you're standing on. We're getting sandblasted, and it's cold, and I don't know what else we would do. We'd just stand there. we put our tripod down and stand there for an hour. 
or we could go and get some dinner and try and make it as fast as possible. And I honestly was pretty concerned that we made the wrong choice going to dinner. True. Even though it was really close, Kurt said, there's a restaurant right there. Like literally yeah. across the street. So it turned out awesome. And because, he'd been there before. Yeah, my wife and I had been to this restaurant about uh, ten years ago, and it's, it's good food. And Aaron noticed this, uh, you know, pathway going down beach from right across the street of the restaurant, and it's like, well, we just parked in the restaurant parking lot and loaded up our backpacks or cameras and uh, just walked straight down to the beach, and it was it was a perfect parking spot. So that really if anyone's interested, Lord Bennett's. Band in Oregon is right above the uh, this wizard had a uh, rock. Yeah. yeah, you eat there, then go down from that point. You're kind of using a hotel's exclusive access to the beach, but they don't police it enough to stop you. And yeah, I think as long as you don't park in the parking lot and walk down that path, he's probably right. you know that's a double whammy. I think, but I think so too. Just going down one time, I don't think anybody's really going to care. It ended up working out a lot better than I thought. I think the only thing I should have done is gotten dressed for it a little bit more. Because mm. when I came down, it was time to go. I had about ten minutes worth of dressing up, putting snow pants on, putting on these shoes, these boots, these socks, and it, it took longer than it should have. I should have gotten mostly prepared dressing up, but it was awesome that our oh. car was right there. We can walk right down because. Because before that, I was concerned that, oh, we just missed the sunset, guys. Well done. Yeah. And when we got down to the beach, the sun was still, you know, not actually set. It was still actually at the point of the rocks, really. It was right on top of the rock, right? Yeah. So you can get some cool compositions with that. I mean, I got a couple shots with it just at the peak of one of the rocks. And, and as you know, as time went on, it slowly got lower and lower. Did you capture it with your camera or your iPhone? I did. um, I had my camera going and I did pull up my phone to get a couple captures and honestly, I think my iPhone got maybe some better shots than my regular camera did. But I haven't really looked a whole lot at those pictures yet because I really was focusing more on the astro, you know, the astrophotography that we did later that night. So I need to go back to my library and actually um, work on some of my beach photos from the sunset because I really didn't pay a whole lot of attention to those yet. Yeah, honestly, personal goal for both of us is in future podcasts, we've got to get to the point where we look at our pictures before we talk mm-hmm. about them. Because yeah. our last like seven podcasts, I think we've said that, where it's like, it's just so I don't know how the pictures <laughs> turned out, but hopefully it went out well. It's like, no, that's what we should talk about it. So we just got to mm-hmm. do that more in the future. I've done a lot of processing from the other photos, just not those particular it's, sunset ones. It's yeah. stupid, though, too. I mean, it's what, Friday mm-hmm. night? We got back Monday night because of the dang flat. No, the flat tire wasn't a flat tire. It was mm-hmm. a flat engine. The engine went yeah. flat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I had a hard time getting a shot anyway because by the time we got down there, people were standing where I wanted to stand. Mm, yeah, there was a group of people there. So did there, you guys yeah. set up there? Because I set up a little bit further down the way, and I ended up putting the silhouette of the wizard hat on another rock, and I didn't really love that, oh. but I had a good leading line, and I thought I could dodge and burn the wizard hat out from that rock behind mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. until, of course, a tidal wave threw me out of prop- composition. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I was kind of over by those guys, and I wandered kind of both sides of them back and forth and looking How'd for something. How did it turn out? So, um, I think in general, um, it was pretty cool. I was actually focusing. I was really wishing I had a telephoto lens at that point. What would you have captured? What would I would you have, have captured? Into? I would have gotten really zoomed in on those waves crashing right next to the rocks because there was just enough action there where the sun oh. was setting and glistening right on the the tops of the splashing water. And just glistening, and I would have got some really cool shots. I really was really hoping, wishing, I was really wishing I had at least a 7200 where I could zoom into that. 
and focus on those crashing waves. It's really a joke that we don't have them right now. I know. You almost did, thanks to a nice listener who was donating it to us, Drew. He was going to help us yeah. have a 100 to 400. But we just didn't just make it down in time. didn't work to get out it, to yeah. get it off of him. So at that moment, I was wishing, uh, I wish we would have spent the extra 20 minutes to get to Drew's house and back. <laughs> yeah. So. So we came down to the beach, and the first thing I noticed are those people standing right there. So I plopped myself down what looked like much of a dry area of the beach. Not a lot of waves had mm-hmm, hit it. Mm-hmm. It looked like the waves had started receding. I mean, at this point, Kirk, were the waves going away from us or towards us? How are the tides going? At this point, the uh, tide was coming in. On this day, it was, what, first day of summer, right? Or close to mm, it. 22nd. Yeah. yeah, so the tide was coming in at that point, which, you know... The trade-off there was when we came back out at 3 in the morning, the tide was going out. So, I mean, it really, for the Milky Way stuff, later that evening, it worked out better. Mm, Yeah, it sure did. And so when I was sitting there in my position, I should have realized, yeah, the tide's coming in. So if anything, it's going to come closer to me. Now, it didn't ruin my camera. It didn't ruin anything. But I put on my legs as low as they could go on the water so that I can build. There were these four to five rocks sitting in the sand. And as the water pulled away and around these rocks, they had these lines. And they all, in front of my lens, were pointing towards the wizard's hat. I was like, this is going to be brilliant. When the light gets cooler and set, I got some rocks with the glistening light off them right now. Mm -hmm. I was going to have a fantastic composition. Now, really, I took the shot. I didn't lose the shot. I took a few of them. But before I could think about possibly composing multiple exposures from different times and blending that time together... A big wave came through. I had the gr- I had the Gorilla Pod <laughs> and the GoPro right next to me. I was laying down on my side, and I had the camera. If you go to our Facebook listeners group, you'll see this video. You'll also see it in the video in Oregon when I have that come out later in the end of July. You'll see that there. And the wave came crashing through and only went up as high as probably half of my tripod leg. So it didn't crash any water mm-hmm, on the lens, mm-hmm. crash any water on the camera. But I was really grateful that I had them sturdy. Because if I had them any little bit not sturdy, they would have crashed into the water with about four inches of wave water, salt water, and sand. Yeah, because once that wave starts to recede, it pulls the sand with it too. So yeah. if there's anything on the sand, it pulls it deeper <laughs> in. And so, yeah, it could easily tip oh, over. I was so worried as I watched and hoped. I was like, don't do it. Something we don't get a whole lot of, of because we don't no. really do beach photography like, no. ever. So we're not used to that. So that was a cool experience. And when I sat there and got that shot, and then after the wave left and all the rocks that I loved where they were laying out had been pushed <laughs> under the camera so far up the beach that I couldn't even see them in my shot anymore, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this shot's over. So I took off. I looked at the light, and the way the light was hitting the wizard hat, it was on the back side of it. So I was on the shadow side of the wizard hat, looking pra- oh. practically at a new moon of the wizard hat, thinking, okay, I can't really see features. There's no cool contrasting oh, light. Right. I took off running up the beach thinking, okay, I'm going to go around this rock formation and go up a little further and look at it at an angle, go perpendicular where the light's coming, uh-huh, uh-huh. and get sort of a cool contrasty color of light hitting that face of the wizard hat. But unfortunately, when I get out there, I couldn't go deep. The, the water was so high, I couldn't go deep enough clo- I couldn't go perpendicular enough to the wizard hat to actually see the light hitting it very much. So you need to go like further west into the ocean. Right? Yeah. Into if I would have gone into the ocean, I could have seen it better like oh, I was right, picturing right. it, but I couldn't go any distance without going maybe a mile up the up the beach to see what I wanted to see. Mm. The light was going away. It was very fleeting. And the position from over there put a shadowed wizard hat on a shadowed rock feature behind it, and it was completely lost. I couldn't even see the silhouette of the wizard hat at any in any point. 
That so stinks. my composition was over at that point, and I just started playing around taking shots of the sand, the patterns in the sand as wind was blowing sand about like four inches, three inches off of the, actually yeah. like what, one or two inches off of the beach as the sand would just wisp around like a cool, I don't know. It's not a it's dust It's almost devil. like a snow drift, like the way the yeah, snow would play. Yeah, a snow would play in the snow drift. Yeah. Kurt, are you used to those kind of conditions? Is that normal in Portland to be that windy on the beach? It's always windy at the coast, and it's a, a rare day, morning, evening that uh, it's like calm out there, which uh, is partly why I don't really shoot at the beach all that much. Mm. And Aaron, you reminded me uh, when you uh, cut yourself with the wave coming that uh, I need to practice that roll and jump maneuver. <laughs> like a ninja, like a chubby exactly. ninja. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and you also noticed that there was a guy off in the distance that like his camera fell over. Yeah, the poor guy. That was, oh, that that was, was in your video? sad but great also at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, it was I didn't sad, even catch it. I gotta go back and watch it now. <laughs> I'll show you on the computer screen after this. It's okay. awesome. Well, okay, no, poor guy. But he puts down the tripod. I roll away so you can see him completely, and he looks at his hands for a second, and the tripod they put down, the front lens is so heavy, it just... Oh. And his reaction doesn't react until it's already landed, and then he goes, whoa, whoa, and he's like, like he's trying to catch it, but he was so oh. late. It was just one of those things that you felt so bad for him. You commiserated with him. And yeah. you see him come up and he's trying to get things off the lens. And you're like, oh, I hope you're using something that won't scratch it worse because... You're rubbing sand into your lens. Yeah. Oh, I felt for him. Oh, man. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, and also, uh, you know, you're talking about the tide coming in and going out. Yeah. You, you just can't really tell what every individual wave is going to do i mean some come in way oh, farther yeah. and some right. just don't make it some interfere with the wave going out interferes with the wave coming in and you think you're going to get this great one coming in and it just doesn't make it and there's just no way to predict uh, what any particular wave is going to do but it also brings up the point that when you're shooting at the beach you need to be aware of your environment Make sure the tide's not coming in and you get stuck out on some rocks and oh, you can't right? get back to the mm. to the you know, the park or the beach or the beach access. Um, you always hear stories every year about someone getting uh, knocked over by some driftwood and they get crushed and killed and oh, yikes. You know, it's yeah, it's the sea is not your friend, it's out to get you. The sea was so, angry well, that day, my friend. <laughs> the sea was angry that day, my friend. Exactly. So, and when the know, driftwood there isn't just like these little tiny branches, the driftwood in Oregon is an entire, you know, five foot round tree trunk. Yeah, I mean, that can yeah, literally knock your house it's over. It's a battering ram for a giant castle door that yeah, just knocked you off. Yeah, when we went to off. the other beach, we saw the driftwood. It was like these massive trees. I'm like, holy cow. <laughs> Always be aware of your environment and uh, keep track of which way the, uh, the tide is going. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, just. You know, one eye on your environment and one eye on the viewfinder and, uh, you know, just be safe out there. Cool, Kirk. We're going to come back to that on Tip of the Week. I'm going to ask you what app you were using to recognize the tide. The tide. The tide. Okay, so we have just experienced a sunset at Bannon, Oregon that was not as good at all whatsoever yeah. to what we were hoping. When the night before, we had an awesome sunset coming in and driving to Oregon, and then when we oh, get yeah. to the beach... There weren't any clouds. And I thought, okay, maybe we can get long 
light hitting orange skies, even though there weren't any clouds to bounce it right, off of, I thought right. it would be like a nice band of orange Hazing, along the horizon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you mentioned how the sand getting picked up might help and there's the mm-hmm. mist from the water. It could be pretty awesome. So I was really hoping to get the same or to get something similar to the picture that Donna had taken. So she had a picture of the sunset with the rock in between the rocks and it was just amazing. And I was really hoping to get a shot like that, but I don't even know where she was. <laughs> I tried to find rocks that were similar and the sun just wasn't setting the same. It was just totally off from what I was hoping, what I was envisioning in my mind was pretty much skunked by reality. Exactly. I, ex- I thought that we could end up with something that awesome and uh, just it didn't have any color. Once the sun set, it was over. The only thing that I yeah. thought I could have captured that would have gone well was how the light was hitting subjects, but I didn't have a cool subject in frame. Right, right. Yeah, I was really hoping to get the water more and that just needed more of a zoom for that. So Yeah. Anything that you felt was lacking, Kirk, or something that you wish you could have done? Yeah, I wish I had had like a uh, ND filter to oh. uh, drag mm-hmm. out the uh, right. shutter speed some. I stopped the lens down to like F22, you know, shoot in large format. I'm used to taking pictures at F45 and <laughs> and uh, big F numbers don't scare me. I mean, if you need big that F-ing for... Numbers. If you need that for depth of field or you need it for a shutter speed effect, I mean, go for it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so I had the thing, uh, you know, F22, 100 ASA or ISO, and it was still down in the, you know, half a second uh, exposure uh, <laughs> range. And that just wasn't going to give me enough motion blur on the waves that I thought would give a better look to the photos. Yeah, yeah I would have so, saved it. So next time... Uh, you know, definitely bring a uh, like a maybe a polarizer that'll give you two stops of uh, ND or uh, and also will help control the glare on the water. You can right. you know, polarize with the glare or polarize against the glare, or even like maybe uh, you know like a three ND filter and that would bump the shutter speed way out and uh, just kind of make a lot of those waves look uh, more ethereal and uh, more. Yeah. Uh, more smooth looking. Now, just let me announce it right here. We are going to have a listener adventure on the Oregon coast this year. Without any without any horrible thing happening where Brent and I can't afford to do it, we will meet anybody who's in the Portland, California, Washington area that wants to come join us. Kirk, you said you were going to make it, right? Try to come out yeah, with I'll, us. Yeah, I'll do my best. We're thinking later in the year, towards October, November, we are going to head out there and hit the coast from Brookings all the way up to Hasita Head Lighthouse, I think was the most northern part we went, Mm. somewhere close up to Portland. So Brent and I were thinking about flying into Portland and getting a rental car and driving all the way down the coast and then coming all the way back up and having at least four sunsets to enjoy out there. So stay tuned. Keep an eye out for the Photog Adventures listener story. Stay tuned for a Photog Adventures listener adventure where we're going to all go out there totally free to participate. Join us. Come and see these places for the first time ever like we have never seen them. Mm-hmm. And let's try and capture some cool sunsets. Yeah, okay. So look forward to that. Everyone join us if you can because it would be a lot of fun to be noobs out there with you. So, Kurt, was there any place that you went? I mean, where did you end up? By those other people or did you go somewhere off different? I never saw where you were um, at. Well, I was kind of over by Brendan, I think, uh, kind of back where the, uh, in the shadow of the, uh, wizard hat, mm-hmm. there was maybe, I don't know, seven or eight people all lined up right next to each other at the edge of the surf, uh, yeah. taking pictures, taking pictures of the outline of the wizard hat. And I thought, well, you know, the sky's kind of boring. We, we had no clouds that right. night. So I thought, well, maybe I can, uh, move a little to the, uh, to the right 
And uh, I kind of positioned myself so that the sun was peeking around the edge of the rock, trying to get some, uh, you know, specular uh, patterns on the uh, the lens, little lens flare maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes lens flare, uh, you know, is good in a photo. Right. So I thought I'd uh, go for that kind of uh, angle. And that kind of moved me 10 feet over from where the uh, mob was. And I used to go out and take pictures with large format cameras back in the 80s and 90s and kind of took a break uh, the last 10 years taking photos. And I'm just amazed at how many more people are out taking pictures nowadays. I mean, it's oh, encouraging yeah. that photography is getting much more popular. But it's discouraging that everybody beats you to the best spot for photos. <laughs> right. And uh, yeah. even on a night like that, was it what Thursday night? Uh, yeah, a random like, Thursday yeah, night. And there was nothing right. happening in the clouds. There was no clouds it in the sky or anything. It was a good night. Kind of a boring, windy sunset, and yet. And yet we came down with a half an hour to spare. And the photo group had taken all the good yeah. spots. Yeah. And I always figured the person with the largest format camera ought to get the uh, the prime choice. The guy with the 11 <laughs> by 14 bumps the guy with the 8 by 10 who bumps the guy with the 4 by 5 you know, on down the line. But uh, everyone's shooting all digital stuff nowadays, so it's kind of hard to tell. But uh, yeah, Canon beats Sony. Sony beats Nikon. <laughs> well, you mean Sony takes less space, so it beats the Canon, especially Wait, what? that. 5D Mark III, that thing was huge. Yeah, he I had a battery grip. If someone walks on the beach with a 1DX, they'd be like, okay, move over, <laughs> yeah. guys. I've got the Hasselblad. Oh, that's true. <laughs> 100 megapixel back here. Yeah. <laughs> so the sunset was kind of a bust, but that yeah. night, back on that beach, in the same location, the Milky Way was amazing. It's the best part about being an astrophotographer, because if you have a busted sunset on a landscape photography shoot, it's because there's no clouds. Yes. And if there's no clouds, and it's a new moon weekend like this was, yes. it's so brilliant for astrophotography. It was. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, we went out there, and we had some low-level lighting that we had set up. Um, just the one light, right? One light. That yeah. was it. The one panel that, that Royce recommended, we headed out there. Yep. And so we took a few shots. We readjusted the light, brought it closer, you know, took some more shots and kept it. Well, let's talk about it, what then, we were actually looking at. We but, haven't even talked about our scenery yet. What we were but what we were lo- what we were lighting was these amazing huge rocks jumping out of yeah. the ground towards the sky. They're in the like, water. It's not like they're up in front of us in the sand. They're right, in they're the actually water. in the water, past the beach jutting up almost like pictures you see in like the philippines and stuff where you have these giant rocks in the ocean and then you hit the beach you know yeah. it's like it's like a smaller version of that it was really cool probably really treacherous if you're trying to surf into the beach <laughs> yeah so don't there uh, so our setup for the low level lighting we had a cliff wall that was the ground above like the beach was far down and where the land where people were building houses were what 100, 200 feet up? Yeah, it was Kind of a cliff high. Hot. Yeah, the cliff was a straight drop, then the beach, and then there was like some rocks that were still stat- scattering around. Yeah, so we had a, we only could go as far back as that cliff wall, and you went all the way up against it with our tripod with the light on it. Yeah. Turned that guy on. The very lowest setting, or you ended up bringing it up just a little bit, right? The very lowest setting. Absolutely the lowest setting. And it was too far away at that point, I think, wasn't it, right? And so you brought it in a little closer, so just about the whole 20 yards. Thing closer, yeah. So we got that just right. I mean, when you're out there, you're ever using light like this, you're going to have a couple people or one person at least at their camera and taking shots and seeing, is it blown out? Is it too blown out? Is it way too bright? Because you too want dim? it to is look, it yeah. yeah, that happy medium. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So once you had that shot, the happy medium, man, we were just in a world of Okay, at one point, Kirk is like, okay, let's move a little closer. And I wanted to go closer than we were because where we had it, we had sand, 
water, the features. But the features were tiny in our image. Yeah, and then Kirk's yeah. like, I want to go closer. And I did too. So we moved up right to the edge of the water where we could see the features high, high in our image composition and having all of that reflected light yeah. and color from the Milky Way right in the water. It was brilliant. Yeah, that pool of water was amazing. It was almost like a little tide pool had settled there and we could just get these great reflections coming out of it. And the pictures yeah. are just so fun to work with. Uh, a definite, guaranteed, I have a portfolio image from there, but I can't decide how to know. I have a portfolio, mm. I, I have a panorama going from the right to left. Mm -hmm. I have one mm -hmm. that I did too high, and too low. I did a vertical one where I just went straight up. I, I don't know which one I'm going to like more. I, I'm probably going to quit on all the ones that were before we got closer because the closer ones were the mm -hmm. better ones. Mm -hmm. But how do I choose? How far left do I go? Because did you guys have the same situation where you went left and you got all the city lights that were on the beach yeah. front? It actually added to the image. It was really neat yeah. light away from the Milky Way on the far left of the frame, added a different color, and then going into the front. How did your how did you guys shots turn out? Did you guys Mine think about keeping as that? Well. The, I, they have a lot of character to the image, and so I actually left them too because they were great. I wonder if we'll crop them in the final shot. Uh, I don't know. How about you, Kirk? How did your shots turn out? Uh, I'm pretty happy with them. Uh, and those uh, lights that were, uh, I don't know, must have been a half mile or a mile down the beach. Mm -hmm. They kind of were shining out over the ocean, and uh, you know you always get a little bit of uh, you know moisture or mist in the air sometimes yeah, yeah. at the beach, and that light just kind of illuminated some of that and uh, kind of filled in what could have been just a black section of the image and put in this uh, you know nice glow into the uh, that corner of the frame. So yeah, yeah. even though it seems like. Oh, street lights, it's going to wreck the picture. I think it actually added to the uh, ethereal effect of the uh, the photo. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was atmosphere and mood it gave. Yeah, yeah, it did. And one thing to mention that we haven't really cleared up right now is that we're looking at these features, and there's multiples of them, but there were two that we could line up of mostly vertical Milky Way in between. Yeah, So yeah. we were lining that Milky Way up in between these two, and there were some more on the right and some more on the left that were giving us balance in the image. But these two in the middle were the sharpest. They had the sharpest points. Yeah. And then the Milky Way was on the inside of it. And we actually waited later in the evening. We didn't come out right when Astronomical Twilight was over because we knew the Milky Way at this time of year is still a little 45 at the beginning of the night, and the base of the core is a little bit more to the south-southeast, and it moves as it lifts up in the sky to south-southwest, and it was far enough out to the right of this water, you know, this beachfront, that we could get it away from the light pollution. I think mm -hmm. an hour earlier, we would have had the bright lights underneath the core and messing up the shot. Yeah, yeah. So it was perfect to wait until that later night where we had it more vertical, it was out away from the water and looking out over the ocean. It's the perfect example of being in a very light polluted area, but the space between you and the Milky Way is empty, not light polluted. And because of that, that sky looks awesome, despite the fact that you're in a completely light polluted area where you're standing with your tripod. Right, right. I was really happy with the uh, arrangement of the rocks on that beach. It's, you know, a lot of times the rocks are just like too far off the shore, makes them too small. Yeah. These. These, and they don't make very good photos. These mm -hmm. rocks were just right there. You know, they're 30, 40 feet away from us. And uh, you're able to just get right up close to them and uh, get a great view of them. 
and have the Milky Way sitting right behind them. I mean, everything just lines up perfectly for these uh, the rocks here in Bandon. They really Didn't were. They were big, substantial rocks, too. They weren't just like these little dinky things. They were massive. And thankfully, you know? too, because we had wide-angle lenses, they would yeah. have made them tiny. Yeah, exactly. So here I am thinking, you know what? Let's just try and get some astrophotography in Bandon that night, because really we know Crater Lake's going to be our time for an astrophotography mm-hmm. evening. But, man, I had no idea that I was going to get a portfolio piece that I love, that it's going to take all my energy not to use that for the cover picture. I mean... Which one do we choose? I mean, Kirk's image, my image, your image. There's going to be so many choices we for what we use. We took a lot of pictures that this, night, too. This. It was too <sighs> glorious. <laughs> it was. We never stopped right up until Astro and even 20 minutes in. Because mm-hmm. now at this time of the year, when Astro's starting on the horizon over on the east, it still hasn't really lit up the sky above us and to the right, you know, to the west. And right. this Milky Way was above us and to the west. And so it was in that part of the sky that hadn't lit up yet, hadn't been washed out yet. So we even had 10, 20, I think even 30 minutes after Astro where it was still pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, and you guys, you uh, you forgot to mention the best thing about the night. Oh, what was the that? Wind, the wind was completely <laughs> calm. It did. It calmed down a lot when we got out there. I mean, after, after having 20, 30 mile an hour wind blast, sand blast, water blast in the evening, we come out at three in the morning and it is dead calm. The temperature was in the low 50s. Um, the sky was just right totally clear, clear where yeah. the Milky Way was, and you couldn't have asked for a better night for uh, taking photos. That's it, true. It was the perfect end to that abandoned part of the trip. Yeah, a great beginning for the whole trip. Absolutely. We were so excited for the rest of it. <laughs> so let's go ahead and take our last break of the podcast. When we come back, we're going to do a new segment called Any New Process or Any New Technique That You Use, plus a listener segment where we have listener focus and subscriber focus where we hear questions from people out there in social media as well as share a listener photog adventure. Kurt is on one of the tiers that we go out to you and hang out with you. I don't think there's any other photographers on YouTube doing that without setting up an actual official workshop. You guys are doing exactly the kind of podcast that I would want to do if I had the time or the wherewithal or the ability to come up with more than 30 seconds worth of dialogue at a time. (laughs) Um, If I can give you guys a a little bit of money to help you do the podcast, I'm more than happy to do that. Going out and shooting with you guys was like just a super extra bonus. It's really hard to find people to go take pictures in the middle of the night with. Oh, yeah. When you guys said, yeah, sure, we'd like to come to Oregon. And it's like, excellent. So (laughs) I just jumped at that. It was a lot of fun. And I really want to thank you guys for uh, coming out here and uh, inviting me to come along with you. Of course. It was a huge treat for us to have you as well. Thanks so much for being a part of this. And I hope that you guys want to jump in and join us. Photogadventures.com forward slash Patreon. Welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast, everyone. We are now in the listener-centric section of the podcast. So if you're new to this podcast, this last segment of the podcast will always be about listener question, listener stories, and we'll go into things that are more listener-centric, like gear tips and tips of the week that talk about things that we learn that we recommend you go and do and try or an app you want to try. So let's start it off with the technique and process. And this is something completely brand new to the podcast. Uh, I'll ask Brendan, I'll ask myself, and I'll ask Kirk if there's anything new, new process, a new technique that you played around with, specifically on this trip in Bandon, that we can talk about. Is there anything that you did, Brendan? Yeah, so one thing that specific I did was the morning um, after we did the Milky Way shoot at Bandon, we went straight over to the lighthouse, and from there, 
Um, I got to play around with the sun rising. The sun seemed like seemed like the sun was taking forever to rise. Didn't it? Holy moly. So while that was happening, I thought, you know what? I'm going to play around with my, with my um, exposure metering, you know, oh, like- on my camera. So what what is exposure metering? What are the options? And I'm just like, okay, so we've got, you've got full, you've got partial, you've got spot metering, and you've got center weighted. If you look through your manual, every camera is going to be a little bit different. They're going to name them slightly different, li- right. differently. But so that's one thing I played around with, with with the Canon 5D Mark III. Those are the four options for your metering. And so I would meter, I would take a shot. And I would change the option, take another shot, change the option, take another shot. Some looked the same. Some looked very, very different. Even just like on your tiny LCD screen, you could tell the difference. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. What yes. kind of differences that you know? Um, it would blow out some areas, yet it would overexpose some areas, underexpose mm. others, um, or be too dark all around. And so what I, what I've, what I found out um, and what I thought about during that time when I was shooting this little lighthouse was I have a feeling that the metering is going to be different per location or per, per situation. Certainly. And so I just advise you guys to be familiar with your metering, read the options, whether it's on your manual that came with your camera or do online, do a search for your model and the metering options and then get a really nice, because people have done lots of research and lots of articles and blog posts and videos on YouTube about metering. That's one, that's one thing that I played around with was metering. And so I want to learn a little bit more about it and what situations are best because it's not a, fix all cure all it's not like it's an right. option that you need to play with to get right so i think it does take a little bit of practice to figure out what meter is best and what situations so that's what i get played around with and i'm gonna continue to work on that i don't know if i did any new process or new technique and i shouldn't say anything too long but for four seconds i want to say that a new technique that i definitely played around with in this situation also was at that lighthouse mm. we didn't mention the lighthouse story much but i went out there and i was never satisfied i had plenty of time to not be satisfied with my location and i kept walking around walking around, walking around. And I'm very proud of that because when I kept going, kept looking and kept walking places, I found a spot that had a puddle that still didn't reflect full light of the lighthouse, but it gave me an interesting subject in front of me, plus the lighthouse. Being down that far where I ended up going, all the black rock, that front, that that, that waterfront that splashes and thrashes the rock right there that black rock looks really craggy and awesome the water gets high enough that it gets some seaweed and other growth and algae growth Mm -hmm. on that rock and then i had all these bands of green really awesome green on top of a contrasty black rock with the puddle and i blocked the one ugly thing about the lighthouse that i didn't love which is that weird square box in front of it Mm. now the lighthouse itself was rusty and weird and poorly kept but it's still i like my composition Position enough that I think that when I get out there and comp and finish the composition and edit it all up, I'm gonna love it. And I think it's all thanks to just not being happy with checking only a few spots and setting in. I walked everywhere, mm. other than behind the lighthouse fully. I walked everywhere, and I'm really glad I did because I found that one sweet spot, cool. at least one that I wanted to work with that yeah, morning. And I yeah. enjoyed it a lot. Kirk, did you try anything new techniques or processes in this image, in in this uh, trip? No, but I actually have something I want to use for gear time instead. Okay, cool. So now here we are. We got a chance again to finally do another listener photog adventure. And let me just start off by saying, hashtag listener photog adventure is crazy long. Dean Vincent was even making fun of me that I have crazy long hashtags for everything. So let's make it easy. (laughs) I hope you guys can remember this. Listener photog adventure, listener photog adventure, listener photog adventure, hashtag LP. PA. 
Yes. LPA. If you have a story that you want to share that you want to be featured on the podcast, do hashtag LPA on the Facebook listener group. It'll come up here. I'll find it and I can feature it. What I'm going to feature today is an awesome image, an awesome cloud, stormy sky image from Stanley Harper. Now, Stanley, you have an awesome long story that I'm cutting way short for time. I apologize for that. But let's just give a quick little highlight of it. So he says, in his words, with weather, one usually has to keep an open mind on where you're going to go. Since I live in the Oklahoma panhandle, I'm afforded the ability to head off to Colorado, Kansas, Texas, and even New Mexico, as all of these states are within a 15-minute to 90-minute drive from his house. Wow. I I can't believe it. I would have thought that New Mexico would be really far, but it's not. Hmm. He's in the Oklahoma panhandle, and he's able to reach all of those places. Mm -hmm. So now he has options of where to go, and he goes on to a story talking about how he went here to Colorado, that's where everyone was going. They tried to wait it out, and it turned out it was great. So he went up there, went here, went there. He went all over the place. He's not really a storm chaser. He doesn't really consider himself a storm chaser, but he was trying to find the best guy and get an awesome shot. So after Mm -hmm. a full day of shooting and driving everywhere, he's sitting in line getting some food that night, and he receives a text from his friend asking about the tornadoes in the county I live. I was dumbfounded since after I was done shooting, I had turned off the radar apps. Sure enough, once I pulled up the radar, the storm from Texas had ended entered into Oklahoma and started dropping tornadoes. At this point, he's like, should I be happy or should I be sad? Mm, He's like, after eating and receiving phone calls about the tornadoes, we hit the road home in the dark on hill-covered roads as more storms were coming in behind that one and the one that came through earlier. After sitting and felt for a few minutes and getting a picture of some wild clouds in a grain bin, we started tracking the New Mexico storm north. We did not go far until we pulled off, drug out the camera gear, and began shooting. Although I was able to capture another image of this particular storm, this one is my favorite. So you go to the show notes, you're going to see this awesome picture. He used a Pentax K52 on a Vanguard Alta Pro 263 AT tripod. His lens is a Rokinon 14 millimeter. And he says this is the first time he got a chance to use that lens. So he had a really nice wide lens that's manual focus only. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. You look at this picture and you think, where was his focus point for manual focus? I guess he just focused to infinity because... Yeah, uh, that's rough. There's nothing really obvious to focus on unless he chose some of the grain or something in the in the bush in the grasses in front of him. I, I don't know. Yeah, great shot. He says that is how close and how wide the storm was. He was 14 millimeters looking up at it like this. Wow. He didn't zoom in. It was that close right, to him. Right. He says although it might seem dangerous to be where he was at, it was actually surprisingly calm. Wow, awesome. Yeah, and they're fantastic looking clouds too. It it reminds me of a. Uh, I'm going to date myself here. It reminds me of something out of uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind when the uh, mothership's about to uh, land. <laughs> Doesn't it's, it? It's, it's a great-looking picture. The same scene was in Independence Day. It's like those ships coming in through exactly, the clouds and yeah. being covered. That's and so, Seriously fantastic. Awesome cloud image. I mean, what an amazing character-filled storm cloud. Yeah. That's one he's got to share with Weather Channel or something because that's just oh, totally remarkable. Yeah. So awesome job, Stanley. Way to go out on a photog adventure and just you have a choice of multiple states that you can go out and make this happen. Mm-hmm. It turned out really well. Thanks for sharing it with us. Yeah, awesome. So that's this week's listener adventure. If you guys want to share your adventure, I have a couple more on my queue that I already have. Then if you want to share your story, you go out next week or the week after that and you want to share it with us and have us feature this on the podcast, go into the Facebook listener group and call it hashtag L. P.A. Listener Photog Adventure. And I will find it and I will feature it next time. So thanks, guys. So let's go into gear time. Yeah, in uh, Bandon, I had a, uh, a uh, let's see, what do you call it? Uh, an indexed uh, panorama head. 
An oh. indexed panorama head. Do you mean that it had lines that gave you hints and whether you'd gone 20 degrees or 40 degrees? Right. So instead of like your regular uh, ball head or tripod head where you've got, you know, 360 degrees marked around the uh, hmm. perimeter of the uh, base of the tripod head, this actually has a series of holes drilled into the outer collar of the uh, head. Oh. And there's a little uh, threaded... Uh, um, knob that you unscrew and you screw it back into one of these positions and so this one that i have here it's it's a cheapo gem tune one i got off of amazon for about <laughs> 60 bucks but uh and you can spend more if you oh, yeah. like but uh this one actually worked pretty well um the index the indexing isn't very uh um sometimes it doesn't click into the index very securely but if you wiggle it a little bit you can you can certainly feel it on every stop and so this one that i have has uh indents for every five degrees 10 degrees 15 20 25 30 36 45 60 and 90 degrees so that gives you uh you know either 72 divisions for a 360-degree panorama all the way down to four divisions for a 360-degree panorama. And it's just super quick to, you know, I had it set for 25 degrees, and I could have the camera mounted vertically and take a picture, just pop it to the next uh, index, take the next picture, pop it to the next index, take the next picture. And I didn't have to sit there looking at the uh, scale on the uh, bottom of the, uh, the tripod head. I mean, it was super fast and super easy. Huh. You can do it in the dark, and it's all by feel. You don't have to be looking at anything to uh, operate this thing. So really cool. the benefit is that you have a thing that you're doing by feel instead of seeing it. Now, you get the same lines that we were getting, but because of those indentations that you can follow on, Oh, I see how you can set it. Kirk is actually showing it to us right now on the video, and there is a separate little blue screw-in knob that if you put it in any one of these holes, that's where it's set for that degree. So if you put it in the 24 right. degree, it's going to move to the next indentation that's 24 degrees away from where it was last. Right, exactly. And oh, there's a little ball cool. bearing in the, uh, in the end of this little knob that when you uh, screw it all the way in, that ball bearing pops in and out of detents that they've got pre-drilled on the inside oh. of this uh pano head so it just it's it's like having click stops on uh, you know like how your your aperture ring on your lens yeah, has click yeah. stops yeah. on it yeah it's the exact same thing except oh, this thing spins so all the way works. around that is awesome i never knew how it worked i've seen those heads for sale and i thought oh what's the point of having those but now i know that's cool <laughs> yeah and all by and feel too wondered, yeah you know just i've seen ones for you know what 300 400 mm -hmm. bucks mm -hmm. and i thought well for 60 bucks i'll give it a try and if it's a piece of crap then i can throw it away but if the concept <laughs> yeah. works maybe it's worth spending the 400 bucks but i'm pretty happy with this one it's you know until it falls apart it seems like it's going to work great right yeah absolutely cool. especially at nighttime astrophotography panels mm -hmm. i mean i just right. have to guess mine and i'm okay with that and it's worked out fine but you've got something so perfect like that that's awesome that's a great gear time that's fantastic yeah thanks kurt that was an awesome item to talk about in gear time i had no idea that they were that cheap and i would definitely seen more expensive options so it's good to know that we can 
get into one of those for about 60 bucks. What was it called again? This one is a Gemtune uh, DH-55. Okay. Yeah, it's from Amazon, right? You got it from Amazon? Right, yeah. Search okay. for indexed uh, panorama head. Okay. Well, we'll find it and we'll put on our show notes in the link Absolutely. for you guys. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks, Kirk. Sure. We're also leaning on you for a tip of the week. You were talking about earlier about something you used, an app that you use for checking the tides. What was that again? Yeah, so uh, I know everybody always raves about uh, photo pills, and, and it's a cool app. Yeah. I've, I've bought it for both a my mother-in-law's iPad like three years ago, I think, when it came out. Oh, nice. It looks so cool. I just said, hey, can I uh, buy a program for your iPad? And she said, well, yeah, I guess. So I did that and played with that. <laughs> program I typically use is called uh, Planet for Photographers for Android. And I think, Aaron, mm. we looked it up, and it's, it's available there. Yeah, on $6 on iOS. Mm. Okay. And so it's very similar to uh, PhotoPills, but uh, I think it does a better job of integrating all the functions into one, uh, one user interface uh, window. Mm. Photo pills, you've got all those pills that you're popping in and out of to check all these different functions. In Planet, there's a uh, little slider across the top of the screen, you know, like how uh, Photo Pills has the time slider on the bottom of the screen. Planet has another slider on the top that you can switch between the different functions. So you can have, you know, when is my sunrise? When's my moonset? You know, when's the Milky Way up? All those functions that you see in uh, Photo Pills. But if you keep sliding over to the uh, to the right, it's got some tide functions. When we're in Bandon, it actually had a uh, the tides for Coos Bay, which was like 20 miles away from Bandon. So I was able to, uh, you know, tell it our location with the GPS and the phone. I told it to give me the tide table for Bandon or for Coos Bay, and uh, it was able to tell us uh, when high tide and low tide was. So. It was really easy. I didn't have to go add another Tide uh, app. I didn't have to go searching the interwebs looking for Tide information. It was all right there in my uh, photography app that I use for planning all my other photos. Well, that's awesome. I mean, I wonder how accurate it is or if there's going to be an app that's focused on Tides that's going to give you a far greater, larger data set and more of information points so you don't have to use Coos Bay when you're down in Bandon and maybe it's more accurate than the one that you have mm. in Planet. But that is really awesome that it's right built into an app that you've already got on your phone, you're already using for everything mm -hmm. else. Talk about a pretty nice setup. Yeah, I'll have to give it one a try. Well, typically uh, Tide tables, they're all at different ports. And uh, the National Oceanographic and Atmospheric, uh, whatever, NOAA, figures out all these tides for everybody. So usually when you go look up a tide table, it'll be like, you know, Astoria or Newport or Coos Bay, you know, the big ports along mm -hmm. the coast. Mm -hmm. Okay. You always kind of have to realize that unless you're at that port, you're not maybe going to have the exact minute of the mm -hmm. tide, but it's probably going to be within a couple of minutes. And like I said earlier, the... The waves vary so much that you really can't tell low tide from uh, one wave to the next. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any app you find is going to be uh, probably just as much resolution as the the next app. But uh, I, I think it's cool having it just right in that one planning program. So yeah, sure. it's like that's one less app that I have to add on to my phone. Yep, yeah, but I know from Kevin that you've actually got information of light pollution centers in the map of planet. Right, it's, it's got the dark sky info in there as well. That's another one of the uh, functions in the uh, the little uh, 
slider uh, section. So that's really nice compared to photo pills where you have that. And so that's an interesting consideration for having both. What's that, Kevina? What's that, Kevina? If you squint yeah. your ears. <laughs> uh-huh. That's a freaking awesome tip. I mean, I love photo pills, but if photo pills could add those extra features that Planet has, it would be even better. I know Kevin has said that he's not switching to photo pills until they add the light pollution maps, and I don't oh. blame him. I don't blame him at all. And Raphael might have said that they're going to – he well, he did say that they're going yeah, to exactly. be adding more features, so maybe that will be one of those features. So that's awesome. Thanks, Kirk, for joining us tonight. Thanks for hanging out with us for so long. Yeah. Honestly, guys, we are two hours into this podcast edit as we have a lot of mm. content in here that we're editing back, and then we'll share with you next week our trip to Crater Lake with Kirk and have Kirk on again, an Oregon trip. That Oregon trip was a fantastic trip. I it really was. I loved it up until the very end, but we'll talk about how it ended <laughs> next week in the podcast. If you don't already know, check out our Facebook listener group. So thank you, Kirk. Thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, thank you. We hope that you will have plenty of time with us next week so we can talk about the rest of this trip. Everyone, thanks for listening. Thanks for going to our Patreon and checking that out. And also, thanks for going to our YouTube channel and getting us past the 1,600 subscriber mark. Yeah. feels really good. It just feels great to have the pace picking up every month. Yep. Next milestone is 2,000. Oh, yep. Hit 2,000. I think I think we can, by the end of this year, have 10,000 subscribers. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Six months ago, right? Yeah. So let's hit that goal. Thank you guys so much. Hope you guys have a great week, and we'll see you next time. See you guys. See ya.